Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. Welcome to episode 10 of the Pooch Parenting Podcast. In today's show, I talk to Michelle Klump from Out West Bassets. Not only is Michelle a mom, but she's also a dog breeder, and she's an ethical and responsible dog breeder at that. So the bulk of today's show is focused on how to know whether or not a dog breeder has the best interest of the dogs and the clients at heart, and how to identify what kind of dog breed is good if you're a family with children. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Michelle. I'm so glad that you are here to talk with us today. Thank you. So in today's episode, I have Michelle from Out West Bassets. She is a friend of mine. We met over the interwebs over, I don't know, almost two years ago now, it feels like, or so. And we have stayed in touch and have just been great supporters of one another. Um, Michelle is going to talk to us about a variety of things. She's a mom of many and a dog breeder, but we're going to talk about... um, why she chose the breed that she did and what she's going to look for when she is looking for a dog for her own family as well. So Michelle, why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you. So I'm Michelle and I own Out West Bassets. We're down in Southeastern Arizona and we raise Basset hounds. Um, We also live on a cattle ranch down here where we raise lots of grass-fed beef cattle. And I've got four kids who I also homeschool and ramrod and all that good stuff. (laughs) You're busy. A little bit. Yes, you are. That is true. Okay, so you fully understand then what it is like to parent kids and dogs at the same time, because not only are you raising these four kids, so you live pretty remotely. And so you don't really have a lot of relief in terms of the kids going off to school or anything like that. So it is very much a 24-7 situation out where you live, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, we live about 30 minutes from the nearest actual town and it is about 3,000 people strong and we're (laughs) about two hours from an actual city so it is way out here and I pretty much have the kids all the time. Um, One perk of living out here is that I can kind of kick them out the door and they can go run wild and free quite a bit more than people who live in the city can so that's my saving grace out here. That's really wonderful. And you just built an amazing um, whelping and kennel area for your dogs. I had so much fun watching you build that thing from scratch. So tell us a little bit about where your Bassets spend some of their time. I know they spend a ton of their time just out, like being the happiest dogs probably I know. But tell me where they go at night to keep them safe and warm and all that stuff, especially in the winter. Yeah, so um, we have, we actually, this is breaking news. We're building another one. Um, 
So we have a fantastic that we're using currently a really great little barn just right off the side of our house. And we've got kennels in there um, that our dogs stay in when we're away from home. You know, we go to town to go grocery shopping. That's an all day event (laughs) or at night so that they're housed safely. We have a tremendous amount of wildlife here. So, um, you never know what might stroll in lions bears coyotes they each dog has their own kennel and so they get to come inside outside however they please they've got shade outside and a nice big run way bigger than would be standard um inside is heated and cooled and Mm -hmm. then when we're having puppies then we put sides up on their kennels so that mama's got all the privacy that she needs. And so it, it works really nice. It's yeah, that's, setup. that's really nice. And then during the day, often I've seen so many photos and videos of your dogs out, just happy. They're yeah. there. Yeah. We have, we have a huge yard around our house. It's probably about close to an acre fenced in around the house and that's where the dogs spend their day so um they are up at the house with us they're not usually not usually in the house but they're in the yard and so that way they get to be dogs yeah they do and i've seen it and they're happy and because you guys raise cattle as well they have all of the wonderful raw bones and fresh bones that they could ever desire i'm a little bit jealous i know (laughs) that someday we will come out and visit you when we go on a trip with our travel trailer and i'll be like have to figure out a cooler situation stock up on some bones yes from the ranch okay so i'm curious what drove you to be interested in basset hounds in general and then i would love to hear about basset hounds um general characteristics and Mm -hmm. why you think they are a good family pet sure so that how I got here is kind of a, a goofy story, but it worked. So um, uh, when my husband and I first got married uh, 13 years ago, coming up on, um, I whelped my first litter of puppies two weeks after we got married. Um, <laughs> so he had um, train walker coon hounds. Okay. That we, we use for working dogs on the ranch. Mm-hmm. And so he had... Uh, female that was ready to have puppies and so anyway that was my first like here you go honey (laughs) here's some puppies um so that was my first litter and then we whelped several litters you know in the years following that whenever we needed some more dogs um and so anyhow then a friend of ours had a bloodhound and he liked to wander and they were afraid he was going to get hit by a car because they live closer to the interstate than we do. He would get mm-hmm. on the interstate. So oh, they God. said, hey, you want to take this dog? And we said, sure, we'll take him. So we had our medium sized hounds and we had our big old bloodhound. And we just always joked that we need to get a basset hound. That way we'll have small, medium and large. <laughs> uh, so, That's so cute. So anyway, um, I finally just decided, I'm like, we're going to get us a basset. And um, so I started researching the breed and trying to learn a little more about them. And I've loved them since I was a kid. But um, I couldn't find a breeder anywhere 
in Arizona or even the Western United States are extremely hard to find um, over here. So there, there are breeders, but they're, they're really not easy to find. Mm So um, anyway, after doing a lot of research and talking to a ton of people, um, I also, I'm very blessed to have some really amazing mentors down here. I don't want it to sound like I just kind of jumped into it blind, but oh um, yeah. Um, cause I didn't, um, I have some really, our best friends, she's been breeding dogs for 20 some years. And I also have a very dear family friend, her and her, her husband is a retired AKC judge. And oh. she actually, she was like a dog doula. People would hire her to whelp out their puppies. Oh my gosh. And that is what she did for a living. <laughs> For years. I had no idea that was even a thing. That's amazing. (laughs) So, um, so anyway, after a lot of research and doing my homework and talking to people around me who have done this professionally, then we um, decided to kind of take the plunge on these basset hounds and flew them in from Georgia and Indiana and got just best of the best that you can get, um, for breeding stock. Um, so what does that even mean though? I mean, I know what I think of personally, when you say best of the best, I think of a couple of different characteristics. Number one, I think of a dog who's physically healthy, right? So it's got, you know, heart, knee, hip, eye clearances, you know, those kinds of things where people are really diving in and really making sure not just, I'm not talking like just casual vet visits, but like serious evaluations with experts like ophthalmologists and cardiologists. I'm imagining this so you can clarify in a second. And then I want mental soundness. So I want to make sure that not only is the dog physically healthy, but the dog is emotionally healthy and uh, shall I say, emotionally well-balanced that it can cope with you know, average amounts of stress and that it's resilient and that it loves people because Bassett's are friendly dogs. We're not talking about a guard dog or whatever, which would need different characteristics. Um, So it would need to be friendly. Of course, you're raising children at the same time. So you're going to be compelled to get a line that um, that's kind and and friendly. Um, So between physically and emotionally, you know, um, what else do you look for to make a dog sort of best of the best? Sure. So those two are absolutely the most important things. Um, The number one thing you're going to look at is the build on the dog, just the confirmation, like you said, the physical soundness. Um, Because if these dogs are going to be birthing babies, you know, they've got to be built for it. Um, And then, like you said, temperament, you cannot mess around with temperament. If you have a nasty, moody male, or female, that's going to come through on those puppies. So um, what I looked for when I started this whole search um, and was so incredibly blessed to um, be able to work with a breeder, he's out of Indiana. He's been breeding basset hounds for 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. So he's developed these lines for a long time. And he was willing to sell me a dog, which is not always easy to get a breeder to sell a dog to somebody to breed. That's yeah. That's hard. I um, that. yeah. It's not it's not an easy thing to get into. Um, 
So anyway, he worked with me and really mentored me, but these dogs that he has, they've come from a long line of just really sound, beautiful breeding females. And if they don't breed well, he doesn't breed them again. You know, if they don't birth well, he doesn't breed them again. That Mm -hmm. way you have just that lineage to where those females are going to be able to birth well. So, um, so yeah, confirmation, the build of the dog, the temperament of the dog. And then as far as a breeder standpoint, we look specifically for the traits that are just really bassity. You know, we want those long, long ears and all the wrinkles, the wrinkly legs, you know, Um, but, uh, but not overdone. That's one thing that's important to me. A lot of breeders overdo it to which gives you soundness problems going the other way. You know, if they get heavy or too too much anything on a basset is not good because it's already kind of a fine line of <laughs> crazy going on to make this breed. So if you push it too far one way or the other, then you're going to have a problem. So. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And I've also noticed, and I don't... I don't know if this is something breeders look for. I suspect that you do, but I have noticed that you have a huge range in coat patterns and colors of your dogs. And I think that, I don't know, I I think, well, personally, I find certain color combinations more appealing than others. And I think, oh my gosh. And every time you share photos on your Facebook page, I'm like swooning and drooling. And I'm like, no, I don't need a basset. I don't need a basset. But I'm thinking, oh, I love that one. Or, oh, I really love how that one doesn't have very much white. Or I love how that one has a heart, you know, like random little things. So I'm wondering how much color plays into it. And if you notice any behavior characteristics in association with different colors, because when I raised Yara, I know that you met Yara over the video when I was raising my service puppy. Um, She was a lab golden, but she was very red. And there were some people in the world of labs and goldens that said that red, reddish colored labs tended to be a little bit more fiery in personality, kind of like the way that redheaded humans are a little spicy. And I don't actually know if that's true, but I am curious if you notice any patterns in behavior associated with color and if you do choose color on purpose. Sure. So um, in our initial picking out of which dogs we were choosing to breed, yes, I did look at color. Um, Now that that's not at all the most important thing. The build of the dog, I don't care what color it is. If you have a dog that's structurally as close to perfect as you're going to get, it doesn't matter yeah. what color that dog is. Yeah. But okay. we did specifically, you know, when we bought our male Fred, um, he's a tricolor. Mm-hmm. And so we did specifically look for a red and white female to go with him. That way it's whole, um, all the color genetics are there. Um, that mm-hmm. way you get a lot of different color combinations um tricolor is fun because it holds almost every color possibility there is in basset hounds so if you have a tricolor you can get almost anything um so So i bet birthing these litters when you're whelping these litters i bet it feels like an absolute 
jackpot coming out. You're like, you have no idea what to expect. You're not sure what you're going to see at the end of the day. It must be so exciting. It is. It's really fun. It It's, you never know what you're going to get. And yeah, it's always surprise, you know, <laughs> and so then as, as far as the temperament goes in association of color, I really haven't noticed any difference yeah. in color and personality. Yeah. It is really, really fun. So what are some of the behavioral traits that Bassett's have that you like uh, about them living with children? Sure. They are, first and foremost, they are pack dogs. They do not like to be alone. And so that characteristic matched with the fact that they are just extremely laid back, easygoing dogs makes them perfect for a family because they want to be with the family. They want to play with the kids and they don't really care too much what the kids doing with them. I mean, my kids lop all over them all the time. And, and they're just like, as long as you're touching me, I'm happy, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so they'll lay down with them. They, they interact with them very gently and happily. They just, right. Overall Bassett's are just, as long as they're with people or other dogs, it doesn't have to be people like mm-hmm. if they've got other dogs, they're happy too. But as long as they have their pack around, mm-hmm. really happy. And um, they're not high energy dogs. They are a lower energy dog. That is not to say that they get hyper and crazy at times because they do. Mm-hmm. And that's a big misconception about passes. They were bred to be hunting dogs and they still carry those traits. Okay. Um, people do still hunt basset hounds. A lot of people are surprised by that. Um, <laughs> they, were, they were bred to um, hunt rabbits. Okay. And I have Fred, our male, has been out of the yard before and come back so proud with a jackrabbit in oh. his mouth. Wow. And, and like he's got some skills. So, um, <laughs> so that's amazing. Um, that's that's one thing you need to know um, about basset hounds. They're scent hounds, and so they are. While they're so easy to get along with, so mellow, so happy, just fantastic dogs. Their nose will override everything. Okay. So you can have a perfectly trained basset hound, eighty percent of the time, until they smell something, they're gone. I love that you said that because. I find that a lot of families who are looking for the quote, perfect dog, want a dog that they can have off leash anywhere they go, off leash hiking, off leash camping. And it sounds to me, and I have a terrier, so I am in the exact same situation. While he is not a scent hound, he, his nose is to the ground almost all the time. Um, And he also listens. He's very tuned in with his environment. Um, That there are some dogs that are really not safe to have off leash because instinct overrides logic any day of the week. And so that means those dogs would hunt that rabbit or that whatever into traffic or get lost into the hills. And then we have lots of coyotes where I live and there have been mountain lion sightings. So um, it, do you, you feel like, you know, that, that the families that choose the Basset are families that are going to say, you know what, I respect what this dog was built for and we will be on a leash. We can use a long leash so the dog feels like it's off leash. That's what I do. Pippin doesn't really know he's on a leash, except I have peace of mind. And I would assume that a Basset would be pretty content with that. 
Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, even where we live out here, our nearest neighbor is literally like 15 miles away mm -hmm. and we live six miles from the nearest road. That's not a dirt road. And so, um, even out here in that situation, I don't walk my dogs off leash because mm -hmm. I don't want them going to the mountains for three days <laughs> because that's happened. Right. <laughs> so, I'm sure it has. So, so no, um, I always make that very clear when I have people who call me who are new to the breed, mm -hmm. who are asking questions and say, okay, so these are the things you need to know. You don't let them off leash. You just don't. When you're out and about, they stay on a leash. Otherwise, they're going to get lost or they're going to get hurt. You have to have an extremely well-fenced yard mm -hmm. because they will find the hole and they will follow their nose and they will leave. Mm -hmm. uh, and and they shed like nobody's business. So you made the funniest meme a long time ago, and I still remember it. And actually, will you send it to me? And I want to put yeah. it in the show notes because it yep. was so funny. Um, where you you called it glitter? Is that what you yeah. called it? Classic glitter. Yes. Oh, I I want to share that in the show notes because it was so funny. So you would think that that little tight coat would just you know not no, but it sheds like crazy. No, they've they have they have a double coat. Um, so it's, they've got like their waterproof outer layer and then that fluffy underside, it doesn't look like it, but it's there. Oh, I have like in the spring when they start shedding and you start brushing them, I've got the big old Furminator and everything <laughs> and I can easily take off a grocery bag or more of fluffy, fluffy hair from that undercoat off of these dogs. I don't know where they keep it all, but. Oh my gosh shed a tremendous amount. Okay. That's really good to know because I think that there are people who have specific requirements, you know, like if you're a neat freak, then that's obviously not going to work out for you. Or if you get dressed up for work all the time, that might not work out for you because you're going to show up covered in dog glitter or whatever. So that's something to think about. Okay. So Bassett's, they sound amazing. I mean, really they sound like fun and mellow and durable and all of those things and they can be heavy i mean have is it true they can be like a good 70 pounds i mean that breed standard is i believe should have checked but <laughs> get my numbers right here i believe breed standard runs from like 55 up towards 70 some pounds i That's, think yeah. in that neighborhood so yes they are heavy dogs they are big dogs um, yeah. they're the closest like in build dog to a basset hound is actually a bloodhound mm -hmm. to give you an idea of size on these dogs. Their body is like bloodhound size as well as their head, their ears, the works. They, they just have, they it came from a, a dwarf gene back in the 1700s in France. And they thought, Hey, these dogs are easier to follow, to hunt. And so they developed it and that's how the bloodhound happens. So, that's or not, excuse me, the basset hound. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I want to shift gears here um, because it's obvious you understand basset hounds and that basset hounds are great with your children. But you and I have been talking for a while because you started a research project about what kind of dog you wanted to add to your family as not just as a pet, but as a 
as a dog who was going to be able to let you know if something was going on outside, if your kids were out there, you have predators, um, you have a variety of things out there. So um, you needed something that was not only good with the kids, but that was also able to do a job to work on the farm, but not to do farm tasks, but to do more family. You'll, you'll explain it better, but but you're not choosing a basset for this, obviously, because they have different characteristics. So can you talk to me a little bit about, again, I want to reiterate that that dog breeds, purebred dogs are, are purpose-bred for a specific thing, and that's what they've been bred for for hundreds of years. So what is it that you're looking for, and what are you thinking in terms of a breed that might fit those needs for your family? Sure. So what we're looking for right now, I have an absolutely amazing Australian shepherd. She's 12 years old and starting to slow down now, but she's been my babysitter dog for my kids. Um, I got her six months before I got pregnant with my first son. So, um, she's been amazing, but the downside with that breed is they are cattle dogs. Now we raise cattle and <laughs> it is not her job to work cows. And that is sad for her. And I have always, uh, when I got her, I had intentions of having her trained as a cow dog. And then I got pregnant and all that went out the window. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, it took probably, six years before I had her really dialed in and in tune with the fact that she was not to be out in the pasture chasing cows. So, um, and then she also has an obscene amount of hair and I just don't like long hair. So, um, she's beautiful, but it's a, it's a full-time job maintaining mm -hmm. her. hair. Mm -hmm. So, um, she's getting older. And so I wanted to really figure out and research, do my homework and see what kind of a breed would be a good fit for us. And so um, I actually started, uh, AKC has a dog finder, they call it. It's like a little quiz you fill out and they put it all together and say, well, this breed might work for you. And they, they give you like, five different breeds and this is our top pick. And so anyway, I started there and um, just to, out of curiosity and um, the one that came up for us was a Doberman. Mm -hmm. And so the, the characteristics I'm looking for very specifically is I want a dog that's protective um, because it needs to alert us, like you said, if there's predators or or people too, you know, um, we don't have we have people come and go out here, but it you don't always hear them coming up the road. So mm -hmm. the basset hounds don't they don't care. <laughs> so um, so I need I need a dog that will let us know when something's going on um, that does not want to chase the livestock and um is good with kids so um anyway that i came up with doberman there and then i went the next place i went to was back to the couple i said who had the one was the akc judge um and she and as well as doing the doggy doula work um <laughs> he was a handler for the top handler in german shepherds um, with AKC showing. So I went and talked to them. Um, 
Also, he trained the first police dog out here in Tucson for the police force. So, like, they're just, they're amazing. They're like the dog of people. They're such a blessing. So, um, just, they they actually told me the same thing. They said, you need to get um, either a German Shepherd or a female spayed Doberman. (laughs) Very specific. Like, you need to get a female that is spayed. And, um... So, so anyway, both, both breeds are, um, supposed to be good with other dogs. Cause of course that's like priority mm-hmm. number two, <laughs> maybe three. So they have to, they have to be alert. They have to take care of my kids and they have to be good with other dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so those are kind of our top things. Um, the reason I had leaned more towards, um, a Doberman than a German shepherd was just because of the structural issues, mm-hmm. with the hips and all that stuff on the German shepherd end. Right. Um, now I'm still going kind of back and forth. We're not going to get this dog probably for another year, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to purchase a puppy until our Australian shepherd actually passes away, which is sad, but that's what we're waiting for. Mm-hmm. Not, not waiting for, for now. No, I know what you meant. I'm, I know what you meant. One project at a time. Exactly. One thing at a time. One thing at um, a time. So um, anyway, I actually kind of reconnected with a, a gal. She's a couple years younger with me. I grew up with her family and then found out that um, she breeds German Shepherds. Oh my gosh. So I was like, well, hey, look at this. So I got in touch with her and I'm like, hey, tell me about your dogs. And she has the most spectacular German shepherds. They're, um, they're kind of foundation working lines from the old German breeding. So they don't have the sloped back. They don't have those hip problems. Yeah. I, I refuse to buy one with the slope back. I wouldn't even consider. Um, and they're just big, beautiful, beautiful, dogs and she sent me all kinds of pictures with them with her nieces and nephews and they're just like big old bears so anyway um I don't I don't know which way we're gonna go we'll go one of the two I currently haven't gotten in touch with any Doberman breeders there are a few within a few hours of us here so once we get closer to that time, I'll be making some field trips to go out and meet them, meet the dogs in person and see if their temperament would lend to what we're looking for. I need a dog that's very even and temperate. And right. and then also with both breeds, um, like you talked about before, have they had their health clearances? Because I don't want to get stuck with a dog that's going to have issues. Mm-hmm. So. I like that you talked about going out to visit the dogs because I think that um, it's really easy to be taken in by cute photos and videos online and maybe even really nice websites, which I have to say most breeders have terrible websites. Terrible. I have talked about this. I mean, old-fashioned, clunky, horrendous websites. But so when you, yeah, so when you notice one that's a beautiful website, it's easy to be like, oh, finally, someone who's, you know, of our generation or whatever. Um, but I have also been told, and I haven't seen this myself, but I have been told that there are puppy mills that put together beautiful websites and just lie their pants off about how their dogs are raised. And they say all the right things just to sell puppies, to churn them out and sell, sell, sell. They do. And 
you know, so so the fact that you're going, first of all, you're making sure that these are legitimate. Obviously, you know these people, so that's not a concern. But for the average person who's looking online for dogs, um, getting a dog sent to you from another state on an airplane where you haven't visited, met them, that you know that you're actually getting what you think you're getting um, is something to really consider. Yes. Um and the personality characteristics of the actual parents really does matter because um, there can be dogs who have anxiety issues or things like that that are certainly passed on to the puppies that you may not know about unless you meet them yourself. Right. Yeah, I would I would love to stay on that topic for a minute if we can. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I send a lot of dogs out of state. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, out here in the western side of the country, bassets are a much more of a rare breed. And so a lot of people don't have the option to get okay. a basset locally, okay. especially not if they're looking to get one from a good breeder. Okay. Um, so if you do find yourself in that situation where that's your only option, there are ways to do it and ways not to do it. <laughs> okay, tell us because um, I want people to make the right choices. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think the number one thing, if you can't go out in person, get on the phone with that breeder. Don't okay. just email with them or text back and forth or message or whatever. Get on the phone or do a FaceTime or mm -hmm. something like that. Because um, like you said, there are people out there who will put up a beautiful website. I actually, I'm kind of leery of breeders who have really nice websites. Which is <laughs> I am too. I feel I'm so like, oh no. I think your website's way too good. Now, I think my website's pretty good. So I hope that people don't think mine's too good. But <laughs> yeah, but you'll get on a FaceTime with somebody and you'll show them your dogs and you'll say, hey, here's exactly. my daughter and look how young she is. And my yeah. dog is so gentle with her. Or look at my puppies and see how clean I keep the area where they're growing right. up. Like all of those yeah. things. So if you find someone you really like their website you like their dogs get on the phone if they will not talk to you they are not legitimate okay if they will not facetime with you then either they're really old and that's cool but because um, <laughs> i know i've seen these situations before but um <laughs> where they don't know how to use that technology right, exactly and so that's that's one thing but you know that person probably isn't going to have an awesome website so um yeah. That's for sure. So, but um, anyway, if a breeder is not willing to get on the phone or get on FaceTime with you, show you their dogs and just have that conversation with you, then that person is not who you want to work with. Okay. And um, so I think that's just number one. And if you don't feel comfortable with them, even if you do think they're a legitimate breeder, if you don't get along with them, don't buy a dog from them. Mm -hmm. I, I spend such a huge amount of time um, interacting with my buyers. It's mm -hmm. not like, you know, you just place a deposit and then, okay, here's your puppy. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a constant contact kind of a thing. We, we talk all the time. So you need to get along with your breeder. Um, and then not only that, but if somebody buys a puppy from me, they have lifetime support from me. So if you ever have questions, you call me, you know, so it's just, it's one of those things that if you find a breeder who is not willing to communicate with you, you don't want to buy a dog from that breeder. Um, I love that you said that. 
so much. I think, um, I think that that's really important that you talked about it being a lifelong relationship and a lifelong commitment because you are, your deal isn't done the second that puppy goes away because you care deeply about where those puppies land. I did have a question about, is it, I, I would guess that it would be advisable to even talk to other families, other Yes. people who have purchased those puppies to find yeah. out what their experience has been like, not just working with yeah. you, but is their dog happy, healthy, you know, temperamentally sound, all those kinds of things? Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to ask for references. Okay. I will always give out references. How we do it is I will start a Facebook group, like on Messenger, mm -hmm. and set everybody up, get them talking. I leave the group and say, y'all have fun. <laughs> You know, talk about puppies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, yes, absolutely. Always ask for references. Um, get on Facebook. You know, if that breeder is on Facebook, you can get on Facebook and go to the different breed groups. There's a group for every breed out there and say, hey, has anybody pop bought a puppy from so and so? Uh -huh. And more than likely, if unless it's just a teeny tiny breeder, you're gonna find somebody on there who has. Um uh -huh. and you'll learn things. <laughs> People are very um, generous with their words. Yeah, they are. For better or for worse. And I mean, sometimes true. that can be useful information, you know? I mean, you need to gather as much information as you can. Um, yeah. I know that I, I think it's tempting to be a little bit gullible when you're so desperate for a dog you know you've yeah. picked your breed they're only a couple of breeders that do your breed let's say like Pippin's a Border Terrier they're not very many breeders they're very common in England they are not common mm -hmm. here in the states and um you know it's hard to find a good breeder and then when you do find a good breeder a really good breeder will not have puppies available right this minute you know there's going to be a bit of a wait and when you're in a pandemic and everybody wants a puppy to occupy their time oh, there may be an even longer wait than usual because um you know dogs only can get pregnant what twice a year right or exactly. once a year once a year right yeah depending on your breed but yeah once so, twice a year. so and then and then of course the breeder has to be very careful about taking care of their females and not overdoing it and all that sort of stuff so i know that there can be some desperation um where you may be over you may be willing to overlook certain things like yeah. you know maybe your spidey sense is tingling that like maybe something's not quite right but i really want a puppy mm -hmm. you can wait it's you not worth it i always tell people like you know i know six months feels like forever but it's really not that long. It's going to go by quickly. Like right now, our wait time for a puppy is over a year. Mm -hmm. And it's just people are like, oh my gosh, I can't wait that long. And I always tell them, good luck. You're not going to find one sooner. So. Well, and you don't, I mean, you don't know how many puppies are going to be born at any given time either. You're not a factory. This is a biological process and whatever happens, happens. And how you have a current litter, you have a Christmas litter. They were literally your Christmas babies. How many puppies were born? Um, how many seven puppies? Yeah. Okay. Five and, females and two males. And what is the range in litter size for a basset? It can be anywhere from two to so bassets typically have pretty large litters. 
Um, average size, like if you look it up, what is the average size basset litter? It is seven puppies. Okay. Um, we've had one litter that was four. That's mm-hmm. the smallest one we've ever had. Um, I would say they usually hang around the six, seven, eight. Um, mm-hmm. But we've had as many as 12, which was oh, great. Um, poor mama. It poor. was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. That's a lot of milk production. I'm sure you were feeding her nonstop. Yep. Yeah. All of our girls, they get as much as they want to eat of morning, noon, and night. <laughs> oh, well, you have to. That's a lot of milk to make for them. It is. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, so the weight obviously is dependent. You don't know how many puppies you'll it have is. at any given time. And if and you're on you a waiting would, list, yeah. You would be amazed at how bent out of shape people get about like, oh my gosh, I was supposed to have a puppy by now. And I'm like, well, you go talk to nature about that one. <laughs> like, yeah, that that's always one of my, you know, when I, I have like a long email that I send out to people when they first reach out and I say, okay, here's all of our information. And I say over and over again, like this is an estimate. Like I try and be really conservative. Nature's going to do what nature's going to do. You know, I cannot tell you exactly how long it's going to be, but this is our estimate. But yeah, people do, they get all worked up about it from time to time. And I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that is hard. And it may, that may, their response to frustration may be a good indicator on whether or not you feel that they're a good fit for you as well. That, you know, you want your puppy just as you want your puppy to be able to withstand frustration and handle that. Well, we want their owners to do the same because puppies do naughty things. And we want to make sure that people handle that with grace because that's just what it's like to parent kids or a puppy or both at the same time. You have extra shenanigans in that case. For sure. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been so informative. Um, tell us where we can find you and I will include those links in our show notes as well. Absolutely. So I have a website that is not super ugly. <laughs> but you're still legitimate. So I can vouch so for legitimate. I, I think it's kind of an awesome website. It is. I've been there. It needs a little more love, but it's doing good. It's um, outwestbassets.com. Okay. And then we're also on Facebook, just at Outwest Bassets. Okay, that's wonderful. And please share that glitter post with us because oh, I yeah. want to share that in the show notes because it's funny Absolutely. as heck. Um, and I think it's wonderful. And I really appreciate you talking to me about why Bassets are good family pets for certain people and how, what other characteristics people can look for in a family dog. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you, sweet Michelle. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, ma'am. Bye. Bye. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. If you're looking for ongoing support for your family with dogs, be sure to get on the waiting list for my Thriving Parents with Kids and Dogs membership at www.safekidsanddogs.com. And don't forget to follow Pooch Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.